and thank you for this. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen. I would ask that you do, a, to do me a favor as we read God's word this morning. Would you stand with me as we read God's word, as I read the text this morning? I'm in Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 to 27. And it says, Then he, this is Jesus, got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came upon the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. You may be seated. What kind of a man indeed? Someone has once said, you are either going into a storm, you are in the middle of a storm, or you are coming out of a storm. And for some of us, we're there today, aren't we? We would say, this week is a week that I would rather just forget. I mean, this is a week that is as tough. There are things that went on in this week, and it's just, if I don't have to relive this week over again, that would be great. I'm with you there. We were thought we were so arrogant this week. We thought we're going to go out and we're going to visit the botanical garden over on Hong Kong Island. We got on the two MTRs, no problem. We thought this is a piece of cake. We're going to find this place until we got off the MTR. We couldn't figure out where where at all we were. We pulled out Google Maps. We did everything. Finally, enough, enough. Hire a taxi and get to the place where we want to go. You know, that's just one little thing. For some of you, like, that's nothing. You want to hear what's going on in my life? My wife told me this week that she doesn't love me. And it, not, not my wife. <laughs> I'm using it illustration. But some of you, some, your wife has said to you, hey, I don't love you. I don't know that I've ever loved you. For some of you, your employer has said to you, you have 30 days. For others of you, you're facing a crisis with your, with your home, with one of your children. And for some of us, we're saying, I know exactly what it means to be in the middle of the storm. That's where I'm at right now. God, why? Why would God do that? Why would God deliberately take his children through a storm? And that's what I want to look at this morning. We're in a series, it's just a short three-week series. It's called Followers. We are called to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. God never gave us the gift of sitting in a chair, in a chair on a Sunday morning. When God calls you, when God saved you, He saved you for the purpose of being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what does that mean? When God calls, when God speaks, the next thing that I do determines what it is that I believe about God. Let me say that again. When God speaks, and I hear what it is that God says, the next thing that I do determines what it is that I believe about God. Because sometimes we can say, well, I've not been called. Really? When God says, love those who persecute you, is that not a call? Is that not a command that God has placed upon our hearts? It is. When God says, be holy, even as I am holy, is that not a calling that God has placed? Sometimes we think the call that God places upon our lives is a call to ministry. Sometimes there are calls to obedience. And when God calls, the next thing that I do determines what it is that I believe about God. And today as we come to Matthew chapter 8, 
let me, I want to set the stage. It's so important that we know where Jesus is at in his ministry. He is in the middle part of his second year of ministry. We call that the year of popularity. One of the things that you want to watch for in the book of Matthew is a phrase. And the phrase goes like this. When Jesus finished saying these things, five times this shows up in the book of Matthew. Every time that that little phrase, it shows up at the end of chapter 7, which means we're moving into another phase, into another place in Jesus' ministry. Whenever you find those things, you want to say, okay, what's happening next? What has Jesus been up to? And as you look at chapter at, at chapter 8, you see Jesus doing an incredible amount of ministry. A leprous man comes to him and says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus says what? I am willing. And he heals him. A man who's totally been ostracized by the community, someone who's outside of the community, someone hopeless, and he touches this man. A Roman centurion comes to Jesus. And he, and he says, one of my servants is sick. And Jesus went, goes, to, goes to heal him. And he says, wait, wait a second. He says, you're a man of authority, just as I am. Just say the word, and he'll be healed. Jesus has been doing a lot of teaching. And who's been watching all of this? His disciples have been watching. Like I said last week, never underestimate how the effect that your obedience will have upon those who are around you. Jesus has been teaching, and his disciples have been watching. But now comes the time to see what is it that they've really learned. What is it that they've really learned? As you look at Matthew chapter 8, Matthew, this story is repeated, this account is repeated in both in Mark and in Luke's gospel as well. But Matthew brings out several things that the others don't. And I want to look at one thing that's really huge right off the bat. Because Matthew, as you look at this passage of Scripture, it's very easy for you to, to get the assumption that this is speaking about God stilling the storms in my life. It's not. Matthew's intent, Matthew's, Matthew is a Jew. And Matthew's gospel, of all of the gospel, is the most Jewish in flavor. Matthew's intent as he writes his gospel is what? So that the believers, so that the Jewish people would understand that Jesus was truly God. That's his intent. And as you read this account, read it with that in, in mind. Who is Jesus? He is God. He is God. And in this time, who is Jesus? And we're going to see four different things about who Jesus is in the middle of this time of storm. And it begins kind of innocuously. It begins with just these words. It says, well, Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. When you read God's word, don't run over little phrases. That one there is a huge one. Did you catch it there? That he got into the boat and his disciples did what? They followed him. Mark's and Matthew's gospel is the only one that brings out that phrase. Jesus led and his disciples followed. That's what it means to be a follower. Where Jesus leads, I follow. Now is that always easy to do? Sometimes it's easy to follow. Other times it will require much more of you. But when God calls... The next thing you do determines what it is that you believe about God. He's, he led them into the boat. Did he know where he was going? I think he did. Did they have any clue as to where they were walking into? They were following him. 
We, we have the advantage of being able to look ahead and know that, okay, there's going to be a massive storm that's going to come on the sea. These guys were clueless. They didn't know. They were simply following. And sometimes as we follow God, we don't know what it is that, that is coming next. But we were required to follow him. And when they got into the boat, they didn't know there was a storm coming. Jesus said in his word in John 16, he said, I have told you these things so that in me you might have peace. In this world, you will have what? But what does it say? Well, when I, when I signed up for this Christian thing, when I signed up to be a Jesus follower, you mean, I'm going to have trouble? Yeah. In fact, Jesus goes this far and says, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you as well. Are we living in a time, hear me, please, are we living in a time where we are not walking through times of persecution? Unlike brothers and sisters in China and in other places, Vietnam and Laos, places where they are walking. Why? Has God blessed us with a season? A season of, of, of where we know peace. A season of where we know God's blessing. For what reason? Is he preparing our hearts? Will there come the day? Probably. Are we hiding God's word in our hearts so that when we don't have God's word, that we know it in our hearts and we have it there so that when we go through a situation, we can pull up that scripture? They followed him. They followed him into the boat. In this world you will have trouble, Jesus says. But take heart. I have overcome the world. That's the promise in all of this. As you walk through storms, he says, take heart, I have overcome the world. They followed him, not knowing. And look at what it says next in verse 24. It says, without warning, a furious storm came upon the lake. This was not an ordinary storm. I'm going to geek you out here for just a second. Uh, the Greek word here is megaseismos. It's a word, it's, a, a mega, mega, it's like mega earthquake is what it was. This was no ordinary storm, and I'm going to come back to that at the end of the message. There is a reason that this storm is there. And in the midst of this storm, it comes without warning, and don't they? You wake up in the morning, your feet hit the floor, you have no idea what's going to happen in your day. And by the end of the day, you're thinking, oh my word, what in the world just happened in this day? Storms come, don't they? And, and, and look, at, look at in the midst of this storm, the first thing that we see is that, who is Jesus in the midst of the storm? He is one to be followed. That's your first thing. He, he doesn't follow us. When we take the lead, I had a son, one of my children, who uh, we, would go to, uh, we would go to a park when they were, when they were young. It was a, a, they had uh, whales and that kind of thing. And we would go there on Fridays. We, uh, we didn't have a lot of money, and we would buy a pass at the beginning of the year. And we would go there because we could take our picnic lunch, and we could, we could go there. There were days when it was just full of people. And my son... But always tell him, Peter, watch. Watch where I was always out in front. Watch where you are. And one day the road came, the trail came to a lie. It's like, okay, where, where, where's Peter? Peter was gone. All these people in us like, we stopped everything, look around for Peter. But Peter wasn't following, was he? Peter was leading. God never follows. He never follows. He leads. We are called to follow. 
They followed him into the boat, not knowing that there was going to be this storm. This storm comes up, and, and where is Jesus in the storm? Don't you want to say that sometimes? Well, where is Jesus in the middle of this storm? God, yes, this is where he's at. Without storm, without warning, a furious storm came upon the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. Where's Jesus? He's sleeping. It's like, what? How can you sleep in the middle of a storm? Is he anxious? We're walking through stuff right now. For some of you, we're walking through stuff. You don't know how you're going to pay that bill. You're walking through issues in your marriage, and you don't know how this is going to be. You've got a son who said to you, Hey, I don't believe in what it is that you're teaching. I don't want to go to church anymore. I don't want to be part of it anymore. You just take that mom and dad, and you just take it. I don't want that to be part of my life anymore. For some of you dealing with issues with parents who have health issues, maybe you have a health issue. And in the midst of that storm, you want to say, God, 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 where are you? And in the midst of what you're walking through right now, God isn't anxious, is he? He said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. He said, I've overcome that. Jesus says in his word, peace I give to you. My peace I give to you. It's a gift, isn't it? He says, my peace I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. In the midst of storms, who is God? He's the one who's not afraid. Do you catch what kind of storm? I mean, this is an amazing storm. This is not a natural storm. And this is a storm, the likes of which it's, gonna, it's, gonna, it's ready to sink the boat. One of, one of the Gospels says, in, uh, in Mark it says that it was nearly swamped. In Luke it says that they were in great danger. I mean, these were guys who made their living on, on the water. And were they a little, bit of, a little bit afraid? They were. So why does God bring tests? Why does our loving Heavenly Father bring tests into our lives? Because tests reveal our hearts, don't they? It's easy to say with our mouth, Oh yeah, yeah I, I, God, you're, you're great. You're, you're amazing. I worship you. You are on the throne. If you're falling asleep, it's a good time to wake up. Because God says, you know, there are times where we say, God, I believe you. I say this with my, with my mouth. But what happens when we're in the middle of it? We walked through the last, uh, last 60, 70, 90 days after we accepted the position here. We had to go home. We had to sell the house. We get this real estate agent who says, you're in one of the best real estate markets ever. We said, your house is going to sell just like that. Our house goes on the market. We had one person, one person. We had actually had three, but we had one person take a serious interest even in looking at our house. And when they gave us the offer, it was like, <laughs> what? And then we walked through this whole time of, you know, all the things. And as I walked through those times, there were times that it was easy for me to say, yes, I trust God. And then other times where it says, what is going to happen? we well, got this much time to sell our house. we got this much time to sell cars. We've got all this other stuff. It's easy. And I stand here with you. It's easy in good times to say that I trust God. But what about when the storm hits? Jesus has just taught about the wise man and the foolish man who built the house. He has just taught that. And when the wise man, he built his house upon the rock, what happens when the storm comes? It stands firm. 
when your heart and when your life are built upon whom? Upon Christ. That's why now, in the good times, you put that away. You stand on that. Because will there come times when the test comes? They will. And why do the tests come? The tests come to test your heart. Well, how, what kind of these tests? What do these tests look like? It's interesting. I was listening to uh, uh, Phil Keller. He was the former pa- Timothy Keller, former pastor at Redeemer Press, a Presbyterian church in New York City. And he, and he outlined a number of different things that, that, that can test our hearts. And, and one of them, it said financial crisis, marital and relational issues, health crisis, job loss, or job struggle. But then he said, as you look at Scripture, there are two more that are not often talked about that also that God can use as tests in our lives. And hear me out on this. One is poverty, and the other is wealth. When you look at wealth, you look at Hezekiah. Second Chronicles. This, this isn't up here. Second Chronicles chapter 32. Let me just read this for you. This is about Hezekiah. Hezekiah was one of the few, was, was a good king. And Hezekiah, if you remember, there was an Assyrian king that stood out to the gate by the name of Sennacherib. He threatened. He threatened Israel. And the Assyrians you wanted to take their threat seriously. They were absolutely brutal when they took a, when they took a people. And they were outside the city, and they were threatening the city. And, and Hezekiah goes before the Lord, and God says, you're going to, you know, that those people, they're going, to, they're going to be taken care of. I will take care of them. And Hezekiah develops a, a, a sickness. And in the sickness, God tells him, he says, your life is going to be required of you. And Hezekiah turned his, his face to the wall, and he prays. And God gives him 15 more years. It's interesting. In that 15 more years, who was born to Hezekiah? Probably one of Israel's worst, Judah's worst kings a guy by the name of Manasseh. But in the midst of this time, Hezekiah is a man who's wealthy beyond belief. And verse 30, verse 30 says this, he succeeded in everything he undertook. Second Chronicles chapter 32, the end of verse 30. He succeeded in everything he undertook. But when envoys were sent by the rulers of Babylon to ask him about the miraculous sign that occurred in the land, What does it say? It says, God left him to test him and to know everything that was in his heart. Are there times that God uses testing to to see what's going on in our heart? Yes, he does. And sometimes God gives us wealth and sometimes God gives us poverty. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with the test? Because you see, here's the crux of the issue with a test. The test will either draw you closer to God or the test will draw you farther away from God. Where you are right now and what it is that you're walking through right now today, maybe it's with your health, maybe it's with your job, with your employer, maybe it's in your marriage, maybe it's in a relational issue with one of your kids. Is that drawing you closer to God or are you finding yourself drawing farther away from God? Because the tests come to draw our hearts closer to. The tests come to reveal our hearts. And sometimes when we walk through the test, me included, and our hearts are revealed, it's like, oh, I am woefully inadequate in that area. 
But God does it because he loves us. God doesn't bring the test because he hates us. These trials come, James says, these trials come, so what? So that your faith, which is of greater worth than gold, may be tested, may be tested and may be found true. God lovingly brings his children through times of testing. So who is God in the midst of the storm? He is the one to be followed. Where are his disciples? Are they in the center of God's will at that point for them? What do you think? They're in the storm. Are they following God? Are they in the center of where God wants them to be? Yes, they are. And sometimes they say, God, why? Why, why? why am I in the middle of the storm? God lovingly does it because he wants us to not only see our heart, but he wants to see our heart as well. And sometimes, hmm, this is hard. Sometimes for his glory, God leaves the God, leave, God leaves the storm unstilled. Sometimes for God's glory, he leaves the storm unstilled. What do I mean by that? Mary and Martha, remember them? They had a brother by the name of, of Lazarus. And they, they come to Jesus. They send somebody to Jesus to say these words. Lord, the one that you what? That you love is sick. Fully expecting Jesus is going to drop everything. And, and come, and come to where he is. And what does Jesus do? One day, two days, three days, four days, the funeral's already over. They've already put Lazarus in the tomb, and Jesus shows up. It's almost like Jesus sleeping here in the boat. And, and Martha goes out to meet him. I'll bet she did. I'll bet she went out to meet him. And she goes out to meet him, and she says what? If you would have been here, what? My brother wouldn't have died. And Jesus says to her, what? He says, your brother will live again. And it's almost like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he, he will at the resurrection. And Jesus says, you, you don't understand. I'm the resurrection and the life. He will live again. And when Mary comes to him, she comes and she cries. She cries at his, at his feet. And Jesus says, where have you laid him? Could Jesus have healed Lazarus four days before that? He absolutely could have. But when God doesn't answer right away, does he have a reason? Absolutely. You may be at that place right now where you're saying, God, are you asleep? God, you don't care? If Jesus would have healed Lazarus four days earlier, his disciples would have never learned a lesson. And not only that, the people would not have seen the truth that he is the resurrection of life. Because as Jesus enters into the city of Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, it says his disciples were there, but who else were there? The ones who had seen Lazarus raised from the dead. When God, for his glory, leaves the storm unstilled, it is for a reason. And you may be at that place right now where God has not stilled the storm. He's not taken away the cancer. He's not solved the issue with your child's heart. He's not solved the issue in your marriage. He's not solved that financial reason. And you want to say, God, don't you care? Isn't that what the disciples are going to say? And when we are tempted to say, God, don't you care, we look at the cross. Because it's at the cross that God demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. When we are tempted to say, God, you don't care, we look to the cross. He does care. 
And as you're walking through this time, let me read an old hymn. An old hymn. Uh, and forgive me for some of you who English is your second language. This is very old language. But the hymn is, How Firm a Foundation. Just let me read the words to you. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he hath said, to you who for refuge to Jesus have fled? Fear not, I am with thee, or be not dismayed, for I am thy God and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen thee and help thee and cause thee to stand, upheld by my gracious, omnipotent hand. When through the deep waters I call thee to go, the rivers of sorrow shall not overflow. For I will be with thee thy trouble to bless, and sanctify thee thy deepest distress. When through fiery trials thy pathway shall lie, my grace all-sufficient shall be thy supply. The flame shall not hurt thee, I only design thy dross to consume and thy gold to refine. The soul that on Jesus doth lean for repose I will not, I will not desert to his foes. That soul, though all hell shall endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. I don't know where you're at. I don't know what storm it is that, that we are walking through right now. But I know this. He is the one to be followed. He is the one who's not anxious in the storm. And he is the one who speaks to the wind and the waves. Look at this. Without, it says there, the disciples went to him and woke him saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. What did the disciples believe? They said several things there, didn't they? They, saw, they said, Lord. And they said, save us. What do you think they believed in the midst of that situation? We're going to drown. In the midst of your situation right now, your storm, what do you believe about God? How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your cause in his excellent word. What has God promised? God has promised you in his word, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Here's my second geek time for you. In, in the Greek language, they use a double negative. In English, we would say, I ain't got no. We, we, don't, we don't talk like that. In Greek, however, when they do that, when they put a double negative together, it is to enforce, to enforce how emphatic it is. So when Jesus says, all those who come to me, I will in no way cast them out. No, in, in the Greek it's, no, no, never cast them out. It's using the same thing here in Hebrews chapter 13 when it says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Three of those double negatives show up there to show how emphatic God is. He says, you are mine. You are my child. The disciples, what did they believe? They'd seen all of these things that Jesus had done. They'd seen somebody with leprosy. They'd seen somebody else here. They'd seen Jesus do all of these things. Yet when the test came, what did they believe? Oh, they're drowned. And these weren't guys who this was their first time in the boat. They lived in the boat. They knew the water. And yet this is what they believed. In the midst of your storm, what do you believe about Jesus? Is he God? Is he on the throne? Does he have your best interest in mind? Yes, yes, and yes. And he stands up to the disciples. This is the only one 
this, where he says this in Matthew in 26 and 27. He says, you have little faith. Matthew's gospel puts this first. He says, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? The storm hasn't been stilled yet. Think of this. The wind is still screaming. The waves are still there. And Jesus stands up and he says, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? And isn't fear a natural reaction? It is, isn't it? We get afraid when we're walking through things that are beyond our control. And yet Jesus said, I'm with you. I won't leave you. I promised I wouldn't leave you. And he says, why are you so afraid? And then what he does next, then he got up and he rebuked the wind. Remember I said this wasn't a normal storm? Where's Jesus headed? The first Sunday that I preached here, way back in August, I preached about Jesus crossing over the, the, the Sea of Galilee to do what? To release somebody from demon possession. Somebody that was going to then take the gospel to that whole area. Do you think the enemy wanted Jesus coming over there? Not on your life. That's why Jesus stands up and he rebukes the wind and the waves. And what happens? What does it say? Another translation said, immediately it was calm. You got this raging storm, the wind is just screaming, and all of a sudden, and the disciples say, whoa, who is this? Who is this that speaks even to the wind and the wind? and the waves, and they obey him. That's the one who's watching over your life. That's the one who is watching over your life. One of my favorite preachers is a guy by the name of Tony Evans. He preaches with fire in his belly, and, and he was talking about a time when he and his wife and several others, they did a, he's a nationally known um, preacher in the United States, and they took a cruise, and on this cruise they took a whole bunch of people to Alaska. And there's two ways that you can go to Alaska. One is what they call the in, inner, inner passage, and one is the outer passage. The inner passage is a lot calmer because you're by, you know, you're, it's surrounded by mountains and things like that. But the outer passage is a lot more rough. Well, at the end of this conference that Tony Evans had been preaching at, they had to make up time, so they took the outer passage. And they got into a storm, and the, and the captain of the ship said, Folks, I'm going to have you go to your rooms because we are going into a storm, and this storm is going to be really, really bad. So everybody went to their room, and, he, and sure enough, the storm was bad. They couldn't eat. They couldn't do anything because everything was just going up and down and up and down. And Tony Evans said, My wife gets on the phone, and she said, I want to talk to the captain. And he's like, Only my wife would say something like that. And so... The, the guy comes on and he said, Ma'am, he said, the captain is busy. What's your, what's, your, what's your message for him? She said, what is the captain doing taking us this way? She said, why is he leading us into this terrible storm? Doesn't he know what it is that he's doing? And he said, I will relay the message to the captain. Twenty minutes later, she got another call from that same man. And he said, Ma'am, he said, Mrs. Evans, he said, the captain has told me to relay you this message. Go to bed. <laughs> go to bed he said I'm in control and he said when this ship was built it was built with just such a storm in mind it will weather the storm you go to bed and you let me captain the ship and I think about that and about the storms we walk through who is God he is one to be followed he is not anxious in the midst of our storms. 
He is the one who speaks to the wind and the waves. Can we go before God this morning as his dear, dearly beloved children and say to him, God, please. God, please. Can we release, we talked about in our Sunday school class this morning, releasing our children into God's hands. What about releasing your health concerns into his hands? What about releasing your job situation, your financial situation, whatever it might be, whatever storm you might be walking through? Sometimes we hold on to it and God is saying, give it to me. Give it to me. For some of us, God for his glory has not stilled the storm. Can we believe that God still has our best interest in mind? And can we believe that God is in control of that situation as well? Sometimes we, we equate the inactivity of God, or the, we equate the silence of God with the inactivity of God. God does his best work in the darkness. And God is at work in your life. Amen? Amen. Let's go before the throne. Father, as we have heard your word this morning, for some of us, this, this is where we're at. This is life. This is normal for us right now. We're in the middle of a storm and we see no way out. And we've been tempted at times to say, God, don't you care? And you care far more than what we will ever know. Precious Lord, I pray for that one or two this morning in whose lives for your glory, you have not stilled the storm. Would you, God, as they ride the storm out with you, would you bless them with a peace that is beyond all ability to comprehend, that will guard both their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus? And God, for others of us, as we walk through this time, would you, Lord, do as your word says, you said you would make all grace abound in us so that in all things, at all times, having all that we need, we will abound in every good work. Lord, would you pour your grace out into and over and through our lives as we walk through these seasons. And God, I pray that as you look at our hearts, that Lord, you will see hearts that even though there may be the storm, our eyes are firmly fixed upon the captain who is at the helm in the midst of the storm. We praise you and worship you in Jesus' precious name. Would you join me in praying as our Lord has taught us to pray? <coughs> our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.